bum 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 bum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rock lobster? Oh, yes. Not what this episode's about, though, because they're no. not kind of derms. No, they are not related. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I, you know, I was thinking about there's that part in the song where they make all the animal noises. Yes. But they're not animal noises at all. Yes. They're like, and a sea star. I mean, maybe they do make that noise. And we just can't perceive it. <laughs> I don't know uh, what you need, what kind of things you need to be on to come up with that song. But wow. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Science Pokemon. I'm Professor Collins. Joined with me today is Fisherman Don. Howdy uh, ho, good neighbors. We, we, we are talking about, how, how do I say it? It kind of derms. Kind of germs. I'm not going to be able to say it the entire episode. I'm, I'm not going to lie. They're spiky boys. Yeah, we're going to be talking all about them. Uh, we have two PhD candidates uh, who research these lovely things. So let's hit it and we'll go from there. The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network. Supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out PokecastersNetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Well, I don't have a lot of news to do, but uh, I want to do some Pokemon news real quick. Uh, Ash is about to have Lucario, and Go is about to have Cinderace. So, cool. That is cool. Outdated Pokemon news. We just got that free, already (laughs) set up Amoongus from the Korean thing. Yeah, I downloaded so was, mine. Yeah, yeah so be ready for more Amoongus if you aren't already fighting enough Amoongus. Well, uh, upcoming is starting in a few days here, so it will be happening when this episode launches. Uh, is going to be the Ultra Unlock Week 3, the Unova Week. So I don't remember what the shiny is for that for Pokemon Go. I don't remember. I don't. I, I, everyone vote for Porygon Community Day. Yeah. I did the Dragon Week last week. Uh, uh Chloe and I did it. We walked two and a half hours every single day, and we are about twenty candies short of evolving our Gibble all the way to Garchomp. I'm jealous. With, with with like max IVs or whatever the hell the heck it's called. Yeah, I think it's still IVs. Yeah. Well, we got that, and we got a couple Dino, but they weren't any good. And we ended up with like four Dragonite and four Salamence, all perfect. So that was kind of cool. But I haven't been doing this Psychic Week because it's. With the exception of uh, Metagross, like there's nothing out, out Like I don't. What, what am I gonna do with Star Starmie? There's eight ball toys at my house right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't need any more clay doll. I find them all the time, anyways. I keep seeing. Um, is but it Belgium? Is, is BM or Elgium the little the original one? I don't remember. But either way, I keep too. seeing one of those on my nearby. I haven't actually seen one yet. They're always like just far enough away that I can't get one. Oh, they're they're near our house, and I don't want them. But I'm going to take the girls walking tomorrow. Hopefully we get some more so I can evolve, finally get a Metagross. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good for me to get out of the house, too. Yeah. Vote for Porygon, uh, though. I'll... Yes, vote for Porygon, uh, especially if you love us. We want Porygon. I want Porygon. You know, I have I have a perfect P2 in the game right now, but it, it like, is... Like, I have enough candies to evolve it, but it's at such a low, like, level. Is that what that is? Or CP? Yeah. Because I've not powered it up at all. <laughs> oh, I have like a maxed out PZ because he's my son, but I need a shiny PZ now. So, <laughs> all right, let's do some science news. A uh, couple, yes. couple insect news. Uh, first one is locust swarms. Uh, so I guess scientists have found that with locust swarms that they can detect. And I thought this was very interesting. They can detect single molecules uh, of of like pheromones and scent, and it's like. For, it's, it's it was a good distance too, which was really cool. And so what, what what they're realizing is that like how good they are at detecting these things, and like I guess like even a single molecule can lead to swarms, which is kind of interesting. But that also means that it can you know help lead to new pest control measures, and I think that's really uh, beneficial as we've had all these locust crises the past year. How many we've had three? <laughs> I feel like at least three. Yeah, it's been pretty apocalyptic at least i mean at least you can eat them so another thing combining economics my my favorite uh we have uh, i guess researchers found that wild honeybees added 1.5 billion 
in yields in U.S. Uh, farming crops, specifically things like cherries and watermelons uh, last year. I thought that was kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, come on, wild honeybees, make a comeback. Uh, and then the other thing I learned was water beetles. Those savages. Uh, I Yeah, well, I didn't know. I guess that they were testing them. I guess it was in Japan at Kobe. And they discovered how certain beetles, uh, or they were studying them, and how, I guess, they can survive being digested by frogs. It's terrifying. <laughs> Like like digested whole and then come out and being being alive. So yeah, that's cool. So I wanted to share that. I thought those were those were kind of cool news items. Yeah, I just wanted to share those though. I thought those were kind of that cool. was cool. That and that is cool. Um, there's another species. Get a lot of insect news. There's yeah. another species of really interesting beetle that actually I believe preys on toads. Like <laughs> it tricks the toad into trying to to stick it with its tongue, but then it rams up underneath the toad and like attacks the toad's throat. Um. <laughs> It's pretty brutal. Okay, Beatles, gotta watch out, guys. It's not just Paul, John, and George. Yeah, those guys. Oh, you weren't gonna say it. I was hoping you were gonna say it. A Ringo. My favorite. Oh. <laughs> Ringo. I, I, I totally Ringo. missed it. I am I am and I, I love the Beatles, but I am the worst Beatles fan. Ringo wrote most of my favorite Beatles songs. <laughs> oh. I love Yellow Submarine and Octopus Garden is my absolute favorite Beatles song, which makes me a terrible Beatles fan. I, I dig that song, honestly. <laughs> oh, it's such a fun song. There's I mean, a really like, fun video on YouTube of a guy, an octopus, he's diving and an octopus steals his GoPro and he set it to <laughs> Octopus Garden, I believe. Okay. And it's uh, pretty amusing. All right. That said, uh, let's go and talk about some Pokemon. Hi everyone. So we're joined here. Uh, you uh, you are both uh, PhD candidates. Yep. Correct. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and correct. and and what is it? Uh, first off, can you introduce you yourselves and what is it that each of you study? Uh, I guess ladies, I'll go ladies first. first. Sure. My name is Julia Notar. Uh, I'm a PhD candidate, and I study the visual systems of sea urchins. Hi everyone. I'm I'm Ray Allen. Uh, I'm a PhD candidate at Duke University as well, and I study early embryo development um, in the sea urchin. Okay, so I know very little about sea urchins. So can we start small? Yeah. Don, how, how do how do I pronounce this word? Are you so uh, echinoderms? <laughs> I, I I actually am not even looking at the script, but I'm assuming that's the word in question. <laughs> that, is the, that is the word. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are they? What kind of organisms that our listeners would know fall into this category? So there's several that people are probably familiar with, like sea stars, brittle stars, sea urchins. Um, and then there's also some others that people don't tend to see as often, like feather stars or basket stars. Um, basket stars are neat. They're very cool. So like in general, though, what are these things? So talking about echinoderms, like they're, they're a set of animals that fall into the phylum echinodermata. And so the ones that Julia just talked about are the different classes, I believe, of sea urchins or sea urchins of echinoderms. Uh, and so they like um, a key, I guess, defining thing about them is they have this like pentaradial symmetry. So when you think about a sea star, you think about those five sides to it. So it has radial symmetry while we have bilateral symmetry as humans. So we have a left and right side to us. So how, how do, how do those then like, cause now I feel totally lost and I was, I was told to discuss this by, by Lucas. <laughs> so, so what relation do these have to, to any of the other things that you guys study? Is there any connection? Yeah. So sea urchins are one of the classes of echinoderms. So they're one of the groups in that phylum. Um, echinoderm, like, I feel like I should remember this. Doesn't it mean something to do with like their skin or something like the actual name itself? Yeah, it means spiny skin. Okay, yeah, I was going to say spiky boys, but I knew it was like way more technical than that. <laughs> so if you like break it apart, you have echino, which is like the spiny part, and then dermata, so like dermis, so skin. Dermatology, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Spiny skin, I love it. Super literal. <laughs> buffalo, buffalo. Um, so where do these animals like live? What kind of habitats are they found? 
So they can, depending on like which uh, class that you're talking about, you can basically find them all throughout the oceans. So from my understanding, there are no members that live um, in freshwater and there's no land members. I think there are some species of brittle star that live in brackish water sometimes. But otherwise, for if you talk about the sea cucumber, they're present all throughout the different levels of the ocean. And if you talk about sea urchins, they're present in warm water and also like freezing cold water. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, Julia. You got it. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. They're found basically everywhere in the ocean from like the tropics to the poles and then also from the intertidal zone all the way down to the deep sea. So they inhabit pretty much every marine habitat in the world. And I've, I've heard that they like they live in like Antarctica too then, right? Like, like the, the sea mm-hmm. stars, like I think they saw that on like Blue Planet or maybe Planet Earth or something. Yeah, there are plenty of species of sea stars, brittle stars, sea urchins, sea cucumbers, and like feather stars in the poles, in addition to like everywhere else. So they manage to live in like really cold water also. Crazy, crazy. So I was told that this is an important question. What kind of life cycles do these animals have? So I can touch on that as the developmental biologist in the room. So it's kind of funny because when you think about for people who are more on the Pokemon side that listen to the podcast, you think about these one these creatures that don't have evolution evolutionary stages. Um, but when you actually look at them um, in in real life, you see that they actually have these larval stages. So these larvae that look nothing like the adults most of the time. So in the context of the sea urchin, they go through this um, larval stage that kind of looks like what I've heard people describe as a rocket ship. And so... The, and, and so it has like, um, they're called, so echinoderms are deuterostomes, so, which means that they form their anus first when they're developing as opposed to their mouth first. And Just so like we people. are, yes, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, so we were, we were an anus first before we were a mouth. Um, oh, I did just Google starfish larvae and they are, do look like some rocket ship sort of thing. They're so cute. Or sea star uh, larvae, yes. And so, when, so my expertise is on like, of the sea urchin. So I, I may differ a little bit between the different species and the different classes. But when you talk about um, the developmental stage, you have like this ball of cells and that growth that basically turns into like this little like rocket ship that has a left and right side to it. It's and a they straight swim through the water. Little guy. They're so cute. They, oh, um, the, and so as they like go through the water, they swim in, and these ones are actually, I think the term is planktonic. So they go around and feed on algae and then they start growing more arms and they start getting bigger and bigger and they actually go through this metamorphosis point. So they get an environmental cue from like algae or kelp that basically when they're in contact with it, it causes this little rudiment inside of them to like flip inside out. And that's when you get like a teeny tiny little juvenile sea urchin. And that continues to like crawl around the ground um, from like what people usually know about sea urchins. And it's somewhat similar between like the different species. So like sea stars and in sea cucumbers. I just found a starfish uh, life cycle. Yes. And this is like, this is like literally some like straight up alien shit. It's oh, yeah, so like cool. literally, I feel like, I feel like I'm looking at like alien, like, wow. Cause so they release the polyps and then those develop into more complex and then it becomes that weird rocket. Shit. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> They're so beautiful. Wow. And, and a lot of them are, I think early on in development are transparent. So you can just like see the light go right through them. And they yeah. have like this, these subtle things about them that are beautiful. So I highly recommend what? that people Google them. What a crazy uh, yes. direction for evolution to take. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I also have like another fun point about that. Um, so there's okay. a species. Sorry, this is like, this is my like, bread and butter. No, there's do a, it. Do actually, it. No, throw them out. There's, there's this unique species. There's, as far as I know, there's one species, at least in Australia, that actually is a direct developer. Well, these would be indirect developers. And so instead of coming through this like fluteous larva stage, they actually their eggs are like much bigger that they like that they put out and it basically turns into a tiny urchin first. So they directly develops into this teeny tiny little urchin. And That's, so I actually, what's the, uh, what's the species I got to give to Google? If you know, off the top of your head, um, I think it's, Oh God. Heliocitrus or Rithrogramma. Is it that one or is it the other one? I think so. I think that's it. I think it's a Rithrogramma. Crazy. But they look like little potatoes. <laughs> Is it, it's how the people in the lab describe it as like they're like the potatoes yes, okay. as, as yeah. opposed to the spaceships. <laughs> I mean, so that's man, a really unique thing. thing that people are studying. I mean, this is something out of a Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> oh, it's the um, yes, I know the one. I, I just pulled up some pictures of them. Yeah. All right, uh, so 
so Julia, you said you study like sight. How important is sight for these animals? Like, what do they use it for? So to the best of our knowledge, they, the sea urchins at least use sight for just pretty simple navigation. Um, and simple navigation means sort of like an urchin has gotten washed away from the reef and wants to find its way back because it has a good place to hide there where it's not going to get eaten by a fish. Um, and they've done some studies with sea stars as well that indicates that they also use it sort of for the same kind of navigational purposes to like find their way back to a reef or to an area where there's some more food. So they're not necessarily using it for predator detection or for finding food or something. Not that we know of right now. They tend to be really good like tasters and they're like very sensitive to touch cues and currents. So they use a whole suite of senses, but They've got pretty blurry vision that they just kind of, you know, use to sense where the reef is and get back there. So is it is it primarily just like sort of a light and dark shading kind of thing? Or do we know if they can like sort of see general yeah. shapes? So they can actually see general shapes. So it'd be much more like if you have like a really strong glasses prescription and you like take your glasses off and you're kind of in a dark living room or something and you can see the couch like that but you're not going to be making out fine details. So it's kind of like big, big blurry blobs. I, that's, that's, I always assumed it was just sort of like a light and dark sensitivity. That's more than I thought they could do. That's really yeah, cool. It is, yeah, it's definitely more than just like light or dark or like shadow detection or stuff like that. So these animals, they can like regenerate, right? So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. How, how good are their regenerative abilities? Hella. <laughs> well, it depends on which ones that you're talking about. So it seems to range, yeah, it ranges between like the echinoderms. So even within like the different classes. So I think when you're talking about like the gold star of regenerators, you would probably think of starfish and the different, I like what you did the different there. species. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, so if you can, there's some species of starfish, if you cut off their arms, they're able to re- regrow their arms or even the arms are able to regrow like whole portions of the sea star. But when you talk about more of like the urchin, they are able to regenerate their spines and their two feet and some of their pedicellaria, which are these um, little clampers that they have on them. They can do that really well, but I imagine if you cut a sea urchin in half, it would not bode well. Um, See, how, that's terms- how people eat them. Yeah, I would assume that that's bad. <laughs> breaking them open. It's quite it's yeah. quite disturbing to like watch uh, people that are or the companies that fish them just like crack them open like walnuts, which is Ew. Uh, very yeah. sad to me. Um <laughs> And then when you talk about like sea cucumbers, though, I think I don't know as much about like their external regeneration, but they're known to eviscerate themselves and regenerate like some of their internal organs once they eviscerate them. So it's like cuvarian tubes or whatever they're called. They're like lung sort of thingies is what they do. That is, or that's, they do that for some species, but I don't think it's applicable to all. I know some that do um, basically most of their internal um, digestive tract, I believe. And some of them just kind of do stuff that's more towards their mouth and others that get rid of some of the stuff that's more towards like their anus. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, I'm going to segue real quick because Lucas, I promised Lucas I would mention it. Pearlfish, since we're talking about. That's that's, that's coming up later. Oh, it's coming up later. Okay. Time out. Forget I said that. We got a question. Come on. That's what the script's for. I don't look at the script. We all know. I'm freestyling. Yeah. So what kind of threats do these animals all face then? Do you mean like as prey or like do you mean as, like as species from human? I, I heard there, are, there is some threats to these that like maybe we can prevent. I would say. I guess I was told to ask yeah. about like, like peoples, especially with like sea stars. Yeah, I guess I would say that the biggest threat is probably just like all the effects of climate change um, because it leads to things like warming ocean temperatures, um, which as you could imagine for, you know, an urchin or a sea star that lives in the polar regions, the difference of even a couple of degrees might make a big difference, especially for the development of the larvae and say um, develop at different rates and different temperatures. Also ocean acidification is another big issue. So all the species, all the groups in this, phylum in a kind of dermata make their skeletons out of calcium carbonate, which if the acidity in the ocean rises, will sort of start to dissolve those skeletons slowly. Yeah. So climate change is real bad for everybody. So what can we do to like protect them then? Stop climate change. 
Okay, stop climbing. Got it. Tall order. You heard it here. I would also say, so aside from that, aside from stopping climate change, which is obviously a big job, um, people can support or promote what are called MPAs or marine protected areas. And certain states or countries may have these where it's basically an area that's protected from fishing or taking animals completely. And people can usually still like go scuba diving there and look at the animals. But those are areas that are protected um, sort of to be like nurseries for all species there. So that kind of helps the whole health of the ecosystem, which supports them. Um, I was had a question that I just thought of are um any of like the urchins like captive bred because I, I used to work at an aquarium store and in the aquarium and i know like there's tons of demand i feel like for long spine urchins i feel like people always are like getting those guys is that like an issue for the species or is are they doing pretty well do, do you remember what genus and species the long spine urchin is um that i can i can google it real quick okay because i'm pretty sure that it's gonna apply to like 30 species of i feel like long spine is a very um <laughs> Di- oh, the uh, diadema uh, cetosum. Oh, oh yeah, yeah diadema. I think is that the is that the species that like had a huge like viral outbreak between yes. them and they were all dying. Yeah. So in the eighties, yeah. in the Caribbean, um, so diadema cetosum spread around the Caribbean, and in the eighties there was like a big urchin die-off, which had a lot of downstream effects for all the coral reefs and stuff. So depending on where you are in the Caribbean, it's still illegal to take long spine urchins because of like you said, their popularity in the aquarium trade, and also just because of their population numbers are still rebounding. Okay, I was wondering. I was, I've seen them a couple times out in the wild, and it's always exciting to see one and avoid getting stabbed by it. Yeah, <laughs> they're very cool. They're very active, and they're quite a bit faster than like other species of urchins. Yeah, they they definitely are, and they've got that. It looks like an eye, but I'm assuming it's not an eye in the middle bit. <laughs> no, that's their anus. The anal um, papilla. That is yeah. the okay. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting and bright. I was, well, I mean, the way it pulsed and moved and stuff, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's definitely not an eye, but it's got like sort of <laughs> like if you look at it, like from I, I, anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, okay, there'll be a lot of anus talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, in this episode, could I like jump on to to like comment on one of the, like the threats? Sure, like one of the species or one of the classes faces. Because I think in terms of like sea cucumbers, I think they're actually starting to be actually overfished a bit. So I know they're a very the popular food across the pond. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. And I think it, from what I've been hearing, it's also been picking up over here too. So it's kind of originally was seen as like a delicacy, but now it's just becoming more more popular to sell them and eat them. But it's also, I think there's some of them that are being used for research. And so like, I think out of like this list, they're the ones that are most likely likely to be overfished. I think something that you can do to kind of like support support them and prevent them from like being wiped out or whatever is to like take some recommendations that like Julia said, but then also thinking about how like where you actually eat and get some of your food from. So try and eat like more local <laughs> if you can, but then also figuring out ways that you can support individuals in, I guess, in policy. So in government that are making some of these big decisions and that are like putting up regulations to prevent overfishing. I did just find a uh, an individual who was sentenced to two years in prison for over-harvesting sea cucumbers over in oh, wow. Puget Sound. Okay, so it's a big deal, guys. You heard it here. Don't harvest sea cucumbers. On that note, you know what? Let's uh, let's hit over. We're going to talk about some 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 of the mons here. Oh wow, he smuggled seventeen million dollars worth of them. That seems like <laughs> oh a my lot. god. <laughs> All right, so we wouldn't be a Pokemon show if we didn't talk about Pokemon. Uh, so, star you here? I hear it's it's kind of just like a basic starfish, right? Like the the common starfish. What what is the common starfish? I think it depends on what part of the world you're in. So I think that's usually oh, just okay. like whatever starfish is common where you are. <laughs> so it's not like a like a blanket term. Ray, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but not to my knowledge. As a I person to, that knows less than both of you, I don't think there's like, a, like the common starfish. Okay, I, I so think there is. Just... Well, I think there is one that, like, quote unquote, is called the common starfish. And That's like, what I thought. Yeah, it, it's like this Asterios rubens, which I didn't know too much about, but I think it's the one. Right, I, yeah, I just Google it. Yeah, it's it's brown. It's kind of star you colored. It's got and five points. Some of them also like come in like I guess purpley colors, if that's correct. Yes. 
but it's kind of hard to like define like what is like the common starfish i guess okay well all right so yeah um i guess my question about about you know i want to ask this quick what's the difference between a starfish and a sea star same thing nothing i think that yeah i think they're the same thing it's, yeah. just, I, it's, just, it's just who's saying it. <laughs> yeah, I had a professor who would get really upset whenever you called like a star, like a sea star, a starfish. And I guess Wait, she yeah. had a time where people kept thinking that they were fish. So it's like a thing where people, some people oh. get really bothered when you say sea star or when you say starfish instead of sea star. Right. Because they're like, it's not a fish. At the same time, they're not stars. Like they're shaped like stars, but they're not like a star in the sky either. So I think it's, you know, whatever you want to call it is valid in my opinion. Like I'm not, I'm here for common names and just like having I was them trying make to be sense. careful because I want to like. Of Labrador, how dare you? I didn't know if you guys were both like, as the kind of dermologist people on here, I didn't know if I said starfish at the point it was going to like cause offense. So I've been trying to be really careful and say sea star. Well, I was messaging somebody that also studies like regeneration in I hope I didn't get it right wrong, uh, starfish. And I think he like corrected me at one point or I'm like, oh, oopsies. And I forgot which one it was. All right. So I'm going to formally apologize to anyone that's really offended by the term starfish um, right now. So I've said it and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like what's special? Like, so I guess I was told to ask about how they feed. What's special about like sea stars and how they feed? It's so metal. <laughs> So I, I think some species, I, I don't know of all species, I try and be, I try not to use blanket statements for it, but some species are able to like send out their stomach and secrete digestive chemicals to break down the food it's interested in. So if it's okay. interested in something like a mollusk, so like a mussel, it can pry it open and insert a portion of its stomach into the gap and start digesting it. And then once it's done, just basically retract it all back into itself, which is pretty different. <laughs> huh. Than how we eat. Yeah, I no, assume. just a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I don't know about you, but personally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the I'm going to move on. We're talking about uh, Marini and Toxapec. What what are these things? So based Crown on its, of thorns. <laughs> yes. So based on its appearance and its, I guess it's uh, in the in the anime. It's kind of it has this fictional temperament to it. So being mean or aggressive in the game. It looks like uh, Marinia and Toxapex are based are on the crown of thorn starfish, which are the same phylogenetic class as the common starfish. Okay, so, but what what makes them special then, like the crown of thorns? I <laughs> I I went back and forth on this. Uh, so I think what just what makes them special is that people kind of hate them right now, just because they think that they're destroying a lot of the they're actively trying to destroy all the corals. Um, and I think a lot of people are worried about the corals right yeah, now. That's like the narrative I hear is they're chopping the Great Barrier Reef up. Yeah. yeah. And that happens in the game too, right? The game like says that they eat Corsola, right? Yeah. Yes. Which is uh, pretty appropriate. Because okay. I think, um, yeah, the crown of thorns eat coral polyps, which are like the sac-like animals that form the colonies of coral. And so I think in the game also it's, was it, I read that if you put like a, how do you say it? Marina? <laughs> Marini? Or a talk marini or a toxapex like in when you're playing like like a I don't know what the word is like co-op with like a friend it'll actually attack like the corsola instead of attacking the enemy which is like wild to me. What? Oh, I've never heard of that. I'll have to look that up later. Uh, huh. So I so this is all to say like I feel like Nintendo is very much promoting this idea that like the crown of thorns starfish is like a bad starfish when in actuality it's probably just like because of like the imbalance in the ecosystem, they are chomping more on like the, the coral and that's bad through human eyes. Yeah. And the Pokedex, it even says it leaves a trail of Corsola bits in its wake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Corsola. It's so cute. It's pretty cute. <laughs> um, so, so what's like the relationship between like these and like star you. So when I was actually looking at some of these things, I've been, so as, as you people may have picked up, there seems to so star you and uh, toxapex are kind of based on like this general idea of of starfish or sea stars. Um, and so when I to me it didn't make sense why when star you evolves into star me that it has like all these extra arms to it because from my understanding the common starfish so Asterius Ru Asterius rubens like doesn't get more arms, but actually if you look at um, toxapex it. 
when they first start out, so right after they go through their metamorphosis, they actually have five um, arms to them. But as they get older, they get more arms. So I'm wondering if it's like more relatable to like actually the star you and star me evolutions because it proceeds to get more arms. Well, you know, something we say a lot on the show is that Game Freak either has someone who knows a whole lot and then they make Pokemon based on very specific animals or they take the general idea of that genus or class and just throw everything together. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's what the vibe I'm getting right now. Yeah. It's All right. Well, then. So let's just move on to uh, Pukamuku. Pukamuku. So what? What is this? What is this? <laughs> so Pukamuku, I think, is even described as like the sea cucumber Pokemon. So I'm going to presume that it's mostly based off of sea cucumbers. Huh. Okay. So I don't know. I can. What's like special about a sea cucumber? What is a sea cucumber? Would you like to describe a little bit, Julia? Sure. Uh, they do really look like cucumbers or sometimes like my friends and I like to joke around and call them sea pickles. Um, Can they scare it, cats too? Oh my God. That's a good question. Probably. I mean, <laughs> probably. Guys, I have your new research topic. <laughs> um, but sea cucumbers kind of look like, uh, like a warty fat worm. So if you imagine like it took a, like if you took a round sea urchin that's sort of sitting there and you grab the top of it and the bottom of it and you just like stretch it out into like a cucumber shape. That's kind of like how you get a sea cucumber. Um, I've so. heard that. I've heard people say if you roll a sea star into a tube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a sea urchin is basically like a rolled up sea star. If you like roll, if you folded the arms back to like form a globe. Yeah. Where they touch uh-huh. overhead. Yeah. So then if you like stretch that out, you would get a sea cucumber. So it's got like tube feet the same way that the other echinoderms do. And it's got. Would you like, mind explaining tube feet for the people that don't fully understand? Yeah. Tube what, feet? Is, what is sure. tube feet? I have no idea. So they look like little <laughs> suction cups that are on these like little wavy, loose arms, and they're pretty small. So if you see a sea urchin and you notice its spines, the tube feet are smaller than the spines, so you sometimes have to look a little carefully. But there are these like little teeny tiny wavy arms, and there's like hundreds of them all over the animal. And it looks like they've got like a little suction cup or a little disc at the end. And so that's what they use to attach to surfaces and pull themselves along. All the echinoderms have these. And that's uh, like how sea stars like stay stuck on rocks. Like if you pull a sea star off a rock and turn it over, you'll see the little tube feet on the bottom. Um, But they're controlled through the animal's hydrostatic skeleton. So it's just like this big like water vascular system that is like a closed system with muscles around different tubes. So if you squeeze the muscles on one part, it'll make water flow into another part. So that's how they can like stretch things out in another area. So there's all this muscular control with it. So it's not actually controlled by like bones or, you know, supported by bones or anything. So it's all this soft tissue with sort of like a water tube system inside of it that they can use to like extend things and retract things. Um, And the tube feet, even though they look like little suction cups, um, they actually don't attach using like uh, physical forces and using suction they actually use chemical adhesives. So tube feet, when they like touch something and they want to adhere to it, the tube foot secretes chemicals that adhere the tube foot to that spot. And then when they want to pick the tube foot up again, they secrete a de-adhesive to that spot and then keep going. Huh, so I did not know that. That's yeah, it's, cool. it's wild and complicated. So I got a question then. This whole like stomach thing, right? In the game, like it like spits out its stomach and it's like a hand and that's how it fights. Does does Pukamuko get any of this right with like the whole stomach thing? Yeah. So the sea cucumber, some of the, the sea cucumbers are able to like, as I mentioned earlier, able to eviscerate themselves and expose a, a piece of the portions of their internal organs to animals that may be attacking them. And I think that kind of either is like startling to the animals and scare, will scare them away right away. But I think it also has this... Um, this toxic chemical to it sometimes. So if a fish or another organism were to interact with it, it would probably be bad news bears for them. So it's it's probably taking a, a step further in the video game to have Pukomuku uh, just like bring out its like internal fist and wave it at people and then bring it back in. Cause I feel like that, that part's a little inaccurate for real life, but pretty cool. Okay, fair enough. They made like a, a weird wormy warty slug into like a cool, fighting Pokemon. 
So I was told this is the most important question I need to ask. Uh, what is the pearlfish? What is a pearlfish? <laughs> what does it have to do with the sea cucumber? Everyone loves the pearlfish. <laughs> okay, I don't know what it is, so I don't know why you're all laughing. Julia? Oh, well, we've already said the word anus on this show, so I guess we'll <laughs> yeah, continue. I mean, so the pearlfish is a type of smallish fish. Um, Long, but, skinny feller. Yeah, but so the way that sea cucumbers sort of like breathe in quotes is to like open their anus and like let water into their system and then they'll like push the water out. So when they open their anus, sometimes this little pearlfish will swim inside. And so pearlfish hang out in the anus or in the internal cavities of a sea cucumber as like a little home to hide from predators in or just to hang out in. Some species of pearlfish will even sort of like eat some of the insides of the sea cucumber, which of course, the sea cucumber can regenerate, so it's a little bit like infinite food. Still seems but like impolite, though. It does, it does. But mostly I think that these are just sort of commensal relationships, which means that both parties are hanging out. One gets something, but neither one is really harmed. I mean, there are some times I eat hosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's actually some species of sea cucumber that have like evolved to have like five teeth in its anus in order to prevent things Ooh. from crawling in there. <laughs> Which is what so a adaptation cabinet. I just learned too from a quick Google that the largest species of pearlfish can reach twenty inches in length. Yeah. I also highly recommend people uh, and, Google a video of the pearlfish infiltrating a sea cucumber. Yes. <laughs> infiltrating. That's a good word. <laughs> it's a terrible word. You guys are awful. <laughs> Sometimes they live in pairs too. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I feel like uh, there was this weird fact that, like, apparently the maximum number of people have seen is like 15 pearlfish inside a single sea cucumber. That's yeah. apartment then, living for you. I think it was also like. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm moving on. We're moving on. Uh, let's go to, to Pint pin, 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 Churchin. Pinchurchin. 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 So, so, since this is your guys' like love, what is I guess pincushion urchin, so pincurchin. Pincurchin? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, pincurchin. What is a sea urchin? Spiky. I ask myself that question every day. No. <laughs> no. It's a round ball covered in spikes protecting its gonads at, at the most basic level. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay wow sorry um, there's probably a better explanation for that right i like to describe them as just like little spike balls that crawl around in the ocean but they're much more than that um to they have creepy mouths too sometimes and they're full yeah. of love yes exactly um they're just so, looking for love got it but there's just in like more general information about sea urchin there's a bunch of different species throughout the world so i think there's almost a thousand species Mm-hmm. Throughout the different oceans, oh, okay. and some of them have like really long spines, some of them have short spines. Some of them, in like, there's this species in Hawaii that has plates instead of spines in order to protect itself. Um, and some Do of them have different relationships. Fun of it? Um, I don't know, it's they're probably by themselves because I think they have the modification so they can be on like the shores where okay. of the rocks where the ocean slams into the, into the rock, so it protects them. So I'm guessing they're all by themselves. Yeah, I've actually been told never to go out by myself or never to go out myself to collect those kinds of urchins. Not that I've had the chance, but I was told by someone, don't go out to get them because the waves will like just sweep you off the rocks. I thought you were going to say like the urchins will get you or something. Yeah, no, the urchins urchins don't have to get you. The waves will get you and the urchins will just laugh, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Oh, because are sand dollars and sea biscuits like in the urchin subgroup? They are. They're basically like flattened urchins. Yeah, so, sand yeah. Like, we collected them as kids, but I don't know what the heck they are. Yeah, they're, if you look really closely at sand dollars and sea biscuits, what looks like when they're alive, they look like they're actually a little bit fuzzy. So if you look really closely, that fuzz is actually like tons and tons and tons of really tiny spines. And so that's how they'll like bury themselves in the sand is they'll like use the spines to like dig down in the sand. But there are a group of urchins or the, the class is called echinoidea so within echinoidea there's the sea urchins which are called regular urchins meaning that they're sort of regularly shaped they're roundish and then the sand dollars and the sea biscuits are, car- are called irregular urchins meaning that they're not regularly shaped 
I just learned that urchin is an old word for hedgehog, which makes them more adorable to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the sea exactly hedgehog. It. Yep. Sea hedgehog. P- Pinkurchin is mainly, <laughs> is apparently based on like the burrowing urchin. Uh, what, what is that? The burrowing urchin is, I think, a, a common name for a, a species of urchin found in like the Indo-Pacific region of the world. And so the ones that I know of live around Hawaii. And so they're just the species of urchin that, while eating it, also is able to like grind away at the rocks with its teeth. And like these little, go up in little there. holes. Yeah, they make little crevices that they can hide in. And so I think that's probably what makes them like the most special is because they can hide out in their little holes. And during the day, they hide in their holes. And at night, they come out and go around and eat algae and stuff. Super cute. Okay. Uh, what, what do uh, sea urchin or the burrowing urchin or whatever, what do they eat? Uh, mostly, plants. yeah. Sorry. So most, yeah, <laughs> most sea urchins eat plant material or like algae. So big macro algae like kelp and stuff like that. Some of them will also scrape algae off of rocks. Other species are more scavengers and will sort of chomp on whatever kind of floats by. So if they catch a little piece of like an old shrimp floating by, they might eat that as well. But primarily, urchins are grazers, so they actually have a really big effect on algae and kelp in lots of different ecosystems in both coral reefs and things like kelp forests. So they actually play a really big role in how the ecosystem is structured because they're big grazers. That was like oh. a, um, that was like an issue over in um, like California, right? Like the, mm-hmm. all the sea otters got shot for a while. So then the urchins like took out a lot of the kelp or something along those lines. Yeah. So there's been a huge explosion in the urchin population in California and the urchins are just eating all the kelp basically. And it is a combination of the fact that there are just not that many sea otters around anymore because people used to hunt them for their fur. And also another thing that added to this is that the sea stars in California have been suffering from this disease called sea star wasting disease that now seems to be over but wasn't really understood. So sea stars will also prey on sea urchins. So the sea stars were dying off, the sea otters were mostly gone, and then in addition to that, a bunch of like predatory fish that also eat sea urchins have been like really overfished. So sort of a loss of lots of different kinds of predators in the ecosystem. So if you get an explosion of grazers, they'll just eat all the kelp essentially. So there's several groups in California working on kelp restoration and urchin removal to try and get things back in balance because you might think like if the urchins are eating all this kelp, at least the urchins are happy. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's too many urchins like for the system and all the urchins will like eat all the kelp, but then there still won't be enough like food or anything. So the urchins themselves are starving and malnourished and then everything else that depends on the kelp just is gone. So it doesn't really benefit anybody, unfortunately. I actually didn't know that sea stars would eat urchins. Mm-hmm. I I have, cause we are, we are crunched here uh, and I've been loving this discussion. It's great, but I have one last question about urchins. I want to ask you both. Have you eaten urchin? Yes. Oh, can you describe I, it? Um, I tried it once. I like I like seafood, but I don't like certain shellfish, and I don't like raw seafood, like raw oysters and stuff. So I wasn't really a big fan of the urchin. I know a lot of people like it. I'm not against eating it in moderation, personally. You know, I think we still have to take care of the fisheries, and maybe it's a good choice to eat something else for a while. But it's um, it's actually just the gonads from the urchin. So you're just it's sort of like eating fish roe. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Ray, have you? How about you, Ray? Urchin? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking how I'm going to word this. Like, I allegedly have eaten some. Um, who knows where I got that source from? It was self prepared, uh, and I think I probably didn't get like a good urchin that I was eating. So it was very like metallicy and very small. So uh, I think I would have to try more of like the the giant species that they have of like perpetratus on the west coast that have like these huge like golden row uh gonads so well i i know yeah i was gonna say i i've seen like in the west coast you can get them and like eat them like fresh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the that's dream that's the dream okay um i think about right. it all the time that is his dream you heard it here ladies and gentlemen <laughs> after some googling it turns out the ones that i see around me i i guess are edible so i will have to sample one when i see the next one be careful. Which species? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, they're kind of purpley. Their spines aren't that big. There's lots of them. I see them. I guess they're legal to harvest. Hmm. 
but I can't yeah. find. There's called purple urchins, but I'm sure that's probably like 30 different kinds have that name. I'll have to find the actual species. <laughs> All right. So then I want to ask you each, and this is for both of you and ladies first. What is one Pokemon you would like to see in future games? Like one creature you want to see in the Pokemon world? Hmm. I think so. I'm going to stick with the Echinoderms. I think it would be really, really cool to see like a basket star Pokemon or Ooh. even like a feather star Pokemon, like a crinoid. Um, so basket star. We do basically... have a crinoid actually. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to stick with basket star then. Yeah. They're like really complex brittle stars with just like really, really branching arms and they look just totally crazy. What's a, what's the thing you were talking about, Don? The crinoid. It's, um, uh, Cradle and Lilip, the sea lilies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, yeah, they're ye oldie echinoderms. Yeah, they're, they're, they're creepy. I like them. <laughs> All right, Ray, what do you got? I think I would have to go with a pre evolution for like Pink Urchin or for Pukamuko. So, like one of those like larvae that swims through the water. So, if they could make a larval Pokemon and then have it evolve with one of um like a water stone or something, I think would be interesting. That'd be Ooh. cool. To actually go through a more uh, metamorphosis, so I think that would be pretty pretty epic and teach a lot of people about larval stages. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. We want to see the rocket. Got yes. it. All right, All I've right. got one too, real quick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the I, I I probably pronounced the scientific name wrong or the the name of the uh, the genus wrong. Uh, uh, Scotoplanes, the sea pigs. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I think they would be. They already look kind of like a Pokemon. Uh, I think they'd be a great. What, what are they called? Sea pigs is like the common name. I think they're a type of sea cucumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I are. Think they'd, be, they'd be a cool ultra beast. Ooh, they do look like an ultra eyes. beast. Google one real quick, Matt. Google sea pig. <sighs> I promise. You should also Google sea apple. Oh, yes. God, what, what, what is this thing? It's the new Pokemon. <laughs> what is this The new thing? legendary. Oh my Crown God, Tundra, like, let's go. This is like one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. They're huge. They're huge. No, they're not. They're big. They get like 15 centimeters. I, I'm looking at a picture of one in some dude's hand. That's still not huge. That's like that's I mean, like eight I centimeters. Mean, for what this thing looks like, it... Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so what looks like the legs, those are like highly modified tube feet that it's just sort of like punting around oh. on. So tube feet, very multi-purpose. They're also like hella deep down. There's a pretty cool video I've seen of, um, like after some submersible video, and they're like them slowly like ambling Why? about the seafloor. Why, planet Earth? Why? <laughs> Anything you can find in the Pokemon world, we can do worse on the real world. Okay. Ooh, they've been found up to 3.7 miles down. So that's okay. neat. Mm-hmm. If our fans want to follow each of you and uh, your work, uh, where could they do so? So people can find me on Twitter. So if you want to follow me, um at Ray underscore L underscore Allen, A-L-L-E-N. You can also look me up on Instagram if you're interested. And I also have a red bubble with the title of Mother of Urchins, if you want to check out some of the science art that I do. Ooh, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I'm also on Twitter. You can find me at Indy, I-N-D-Y, underscore C, S-E-A. So like Indy C, because that's where I'd rather be. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Indy C. I love I it. All right, well, thank you guys. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Uh, it was great having you both. Uh, and please take care, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys again. Awesome. Thank, thank you. For you thank off. you. Yep. Well, that was the most we've ever talked about anuses. <laughs> yeah, you mean so far, but yeah. So far. <laughs> the butt episode coming soon to the science of Pokemon. Yeah, but um, no, that was really enjoyable. I enjoy <laughs> all the kind of derms. Um, for real, though, we need a sea pig Pokemon. Oh, that thing's so creepy. Look it up. It's creepy. Uh, no, and you know, we, we need uh, one of these guys that goes through these metamorphoses so they can see the rocket ship. <laughs> yes, little Sputnik floating around. And it needs to be like two inches tall. And it needs well, it to like beat, literally, it beat, and it needs to literally shoot around it and be beat, like Cartana. It could beat Joltik for smallest. Yeah, it needs to be like Joltik and Cartana, where it's tiny and just like shoots around. Yes. Yeah, I want to see it. I want to see it. 
So, <laughs> I guess we have an announcement to make, or I have an announcement to make. Uh, this is possibly my last episode. <laughs> so, I am taking leave for the foreseeable future, uh, take care of some me stuff, and I may or may not be back. We'll see how things go. In the meantime, uh, you still got Don and Chris. Chris is going to come help out. Uh, I think I'm going to help you guys with a little bit of the production stuff. And, I mean, we got we got several people set up for that we're eyeing for interviews already. So Yeah. I think, I think every, yeah, I think everything's, everything's set pretty good, and I think you guys will do good. You know, if I come back, you'll be in a few months. Uh, and if not, we'll find you guys a new host. Someone, hopefully, with better hair. <laughs> do any of us have good hair? Uh, my wife just dyed mine. Oh, well, there you my, go. Back to, back to my, like, actual color, because uh, she has watched it go super gray over, like, six years of children i've been going gray and i don't even have children so i, I mean like- it's been like seven years of teaching and six years of like kid like it just well no it's almost seven years of kids yeah lila's almost seven like, so my I, um I'm going my gray. next door neighbor is a uh a marine and a barber so he convinced me to go high and tight yesterday so i'm feeling <laughs> streamlined okay <laughs> well either way uh i love you all i miss you all i'll still help out with social media and but i just you're not gonna hear my voice for a while uh lucas may jump in for an episode or two him and i talked about it yesterday i mean i like what you you and chris and i'm sure just like you and i figured it out pretty well yeah i think i think we can i think i like i I like to say uh it's in good hands yeah i think so i i'm not i'm not worried but i just want to give you all the heads up that this is the last you'll hear from me for a while uh yeah so Again, thank you all. I love you all. You are all wonderful. Please support the show, support the network. Uh, thank you for helping our Patreon get to the point where the show is not only self-sustaining, but we are going to be able to, after after this month, to start a fund so that like Don or I or Chris, uh, you know, we can fly out to conventions and come see you guys, which is what we want. Once so, that's a thing that we can do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next year. Next year. <laughs> next year. But but we've had. I mean, we've had we've had you guys write us asking us to come out in conventions like in Seattle and Colorado, and we've had conventions reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook on that side of the country, and we've always been like, yeah, but that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of money, guys. We'd love to come, but that's a lot of money. So thank you guys. We appreciate it. We love you all, and remember, we are smarter together than we are alone, and. I'll be seeing you. Yes. All right. Take care. Yeah. Um. Thank you, everybody, for listening.